Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Guy Marzarati in for Alexis Madrigal. Three of five seats on the Napa County Board of Supervisors are up for grabs this March. The results could have major implications for the county and its world-famous wine industry. The winning candidates will have to tackle controversial issues like how and where agriculture can expand, how to support the workforce, and how to protect the environment amid demand for housing and commercial development. We'll talk about the election and Napa's future. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Alexis Madrigal. We're talking this morning about three races on the March 5th primary ballot that some are saying could shape the future of Napa's wine industry. Voting is underway for three spots on the five-member Napa County Board of Supervisors. And joining us for the hour to break those down are Dave McEwen, professor of political science at Sonoma State University. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Dan Evans, executive editor of the Napa Valley Register. Hi, Dan. Hi there. How's it going? Good, good. And two reporters from KQED's unstoppable audience news team, Carlos Cabrera, Loma Lee, Nisa Khan. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. So, Dave, I want to start with you. You've been following politics in the North Bay and in Napa uh, for a while. What do you find most significant about these Board of Supervisors elections? Well, if you look at Napa proper and you, you think about Napa, right, the county is a little larger than Berkeley, but smaller than Hayward. Uh, it has a population uh, about one-fifth that are under 18 and about one-fifth that are over 65. So it's relatively small. But what Napa represents in terms of the conflict between wine, agriculture, environmental concerns, where the county is going and what's at stake for these three of five seats is fascinating and also emblematic of what we see going on in the state. It's not just that Napa is this, you know, Disneyland place of wine and food and Michelin-starred restaurants. It's something different than that. It's about quality of life. And when you look at these three races, you see some developments that are going on in the background. You see some changes uh, with the candidates and some rematches. You see a lineup that really uh, foretells where the future of Napa will go, what that balance will be. And we see that in counties 
throughout California. So in, in some ways, it, it's like looking through the crystal ball to see what is going to happen throughout the state between have and have nots, class, race, gender, housing, all of those issues. And so this particular election, even though it's close uh, and right on the heels, right, with March 5th and a lot of voters just starting to pay attention, it does give us some sense of where things are going more broadly, even though the size of Napa is relatively small. Yeah, a lot of interesting cross-currents in these three races, Dan. I saw a headline in, in Wine Searcher that said, Napa's stance on wine is at stake in these elections. What do you make of that? And then maybe just, you know, how do you view the the politics of wine in county government? Well, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think probably that has a lot to do with the controversial uh, Lee Colleen decision. The Board of Supervisors turned down a development that uh, would have created an, a new vineyard that uh that the applicants said that they had gone through all of everything that the county had asked them in terms of environmental concerns and done basically done everything that they were asked to do and yet they were turned down anyway because of uh environmental issues with watersheds and things like that the board of supervisors in turning down the decision said that there were different parts of the general plan that they were trying to balance between the requirements and also the environmental concerns. So that was a three to two vote. And a lot of people said that had there been different people on the board, it would have it would have gone the other way. And that's essentially what what I think they're trying to say there is that uh, is this does this portend that it's going to be impossible to uh, have a new winery with depending on the makeup of the board of supervisors or not? Or will people get a fair shake now mm -hmm. that's I, I that's that that's the that's what's that's what's the concern there um the it, it, yeah so yeah. i mean you mentioned the the general plan maybe taking a step back what are the is kind of the purview of the board of supervisors that intersects with issues about agriculture and the environment i mean what are they doing in their day-to-day -day jobs um that makes this a focus for those folks interested in in, in those kind of sectors well, so the board of supervisors, like board of supervisors everywhere in the state, oversees land use in unincorporated areas. Uh, so the only place really uh, that you can have a vineyard in Napa County is in unincorporated areas because of the agricultural preserve, which basically made Napa the way it was in the 1960s. So the only places you can do that. So the, the board of supervisors absolutely oversees 99% of vineyard development type stuff. So that's why. Mm -hmm. uh, but primarily they are they do what all boards of supervisors do. They oversee the budget for uh, health and human services, uh, which is by far the largest part of the budget. They oversee the budget for the district attorney and the sheriff's office. Uh, all sorts of all sorts of things. The things that gets the news, of course, is vineyard development. Uh, right. But that is only one part of their job. And Nisa Khan, you focused on the District 4 supervisor race uh, in your coverage in KQED's voter guide. What were the issues that you were focusing on in, in the northeast part of the county? 
Right. So I focus a lot on drinking water, affordable housing, but especially in the lens of the state trying to meet their housing goals, and especially fire preparedness, of course, in Napa um, County, There's with the emphasis of the aftermath and how residents can rebuild. Mm-hmm. And what were, you know, when it comes to housing, obviously some ambitious uh, goals to meet from the state, you know, what were the, what is kind of the conversation around housing development um, that you looked into as you were talking with the candidates? I think the candidates had a lot of ideas about sort of investing in existing community land trust. They had a lot of, they both acknowledged extremely high cost of living in mm-hmm. the county. Manfrey, um, one of the candidates really focused on a lot of like kind of practical, like how to actually build a housing, while the other candidate really focused on like existing um, programs that, that, are, that are there and kind of investing more in them. And Carlos Cabrera Lomeli, you've covered supervisor races in Napa now for, for two cycles. Are you seeing kind of the same issues rise to the fore in 2024 that we saw in the 2022 elections? Yes, yes. It's all about land and how we're, and how we're using county land. Are we using county land uh, for, you know, to expand uh, uh, vineyards or are we using it to think proactively about housing and water? And, um, you know, something that I also focused on and, you know, uh, Nisa touched on this is wildfire protection in the long term. Right now, the county doesn't have a long term sustainable plan to finance wildfire protection. It's all coming out of the general fund, including the, con- the contract that it has with the county has with Cal Fire. In 2022, voters turned out Measure L, which would have provided a 10 year solution to the wildfire, um, pr- the wildfire financing issue. But that was, again, turned down. So. You know, I spoke to both candidates in this district, in District 5, and asked, you know, what what are you planning to do? And, you know, both said that they would have um, rethought the way that uh, Measure L uh, was campaigned for and that there could be a possibility for Measure L in the future, something like it. And we also saw, spoke about housing solutions like strengthening and expanding the county's ADU, ADU uh, for, forgivable loan program and strengthening protections for uh, the county's uh, vineyard workers, farm mm-hmm. workers. I know that's an issue you've focused on not only in Napa, but also in Sonoma as well. Um, Dan, I want to ask, you know, looming over all of these elections is this ongoing FBI investigation uh, first reported by the register that, you know, the FBI is looking for county records related to dozens of wineries, businesses, just big picture. Like, what do we know about this currently? Well, that's that's a big question. We don't know a lot. Uh, we did get the subpoenas. Uh, There were three subpoenas. The first one uh, involved a list of 40 names. And those names were a lot of vineyards, a lot of vineyard owners, a lot of people involved in politics in some way or form, but not entirely clear who was connected to what. I'll get into that in a second because that's kind of a big one. Uh, One uh, having to do with the Upper Valley Waste Disposal, which is our dump, which is in the up valley area and uh, another dealing with the airport the documents related that we that were responsive so we got the subpoenas and then we asked for the documents that the fbi was looking for from the county there weren't a lot you know in terms of what was responsive it had a lot to do with um it had to do a lot with land use stuff with uh, uh sorry let's see it had to do with uh, road projects, actually. So, and that had a lot to do with the dump. So, we're just trying to figure out that. But the the one that may has the most impact on the politics was the one dealing with uh, all of the vineyards and winery owners and things like that. That was uh, 
one of the people the county had the FBI had asked for was information regarding the owners of the Vindos property, which is the current supervisor for the District Four uh, in District Four. That's Alfredo Pedroza. That's his in-laws, mm. uh, and that was related to a earlier deal that Pedroza, or excuse me, an earlier vote Pedroza had in late 2021 that approved a property adjacent to the property his in-laws owned. Uh, that property, the Walt Ranch, has now become open space, uh, but the FPPC, the California Fair Political uh of Fair Political Practices Commission investigation is still ongoing. Whether or not any of that is related to that is unclear. Uh, but what did happen was uh, Pedroza, who had announced he was going to run for state senate in District Three, that uh, that is currently held by Bill Dodd, who was turned out of that seat. He dropped out of that race. Uh, and said he was not going to run for re-election in District 4. Mm-hmm. So, and, and just yeah. having this investigation going on involving so many high-profile businesses uh, and the county, does this, do you think this is going to factor in at all uh, to, to the elections coming up for supervisor? And th- We have about 30 seconds. Yeah, I assume so. Uh, now, how, that, how it relates and how it plays in, maybe not clear. Now, it's going to be... It, it, I think people are going to look very closely at the endorsements that uh, Pete Mott and Amber Manfrey have received to see how they relate to the different industries. Both have, if I recall correctly, uh, been supported by different members of the wine industry in different spots. So it's going to be you know, just something that people are going to be right. close to. We're talking about three seats on the Napa Board of Supervisors that are on the ballot this March. Voting is underway, and we want to hear from you, especially Napa voters. What are the top local issues driving your choices at the ballot? We want to hear from the 707. Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch, forum at kqed.org, or on our social channels at KQED Forum and in our Discord community. Community. We're heading into a break. When we come back, more on the six candidates running for supervisor in an election that could shape Napa for years to come. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Alexis Madrigal. The election underway right now in California is a primary election, but in the race for Board of Supervisors in Napa, this is it. This is the final six candidates running for three seats. The winners will all be decided on March 5th. And we want to hear from you. Are you a Napa County resident? What races and candidates are you watching? And what are the key issues that you want your Board of Supervisors to address? And what are your views on the board's ability to balance the needs of the wine industry, the needs of residents, the environment? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. You can email us, forum at kqed.org, or find us on social channels at KQED Forum. Don't forget about our Discord community. Hit us up there. Joining to discuss what's at stake for Napa County in this big election, Dave McEwen, professor of political science at Sonoma State University, Dan Evans, executive editor of the Napa Valley Register, Carlos Cabrera Lomali, KQED community reporter, and Nisa Khan, KQED audience engagement reporter. Nisa, let's dive into one of these uh, three races for the board, District 4 that you're covering. Tell us, uh, who are the two candidates running for this seat? Right. So we have Amber Manfrey. Um, they are a science writer and a researcher of geology. They got their degrees from UC Davis, which is coming kind of in a different angle. Um, and she ran for supervisor in 2020, but lost that election. And then she's going up against Pete Mott, who's a former Napa City Council member for 12 years before re- losing re-election in 2018. There, um, He's also on the Napa City Planning Commission and is currently on the Napa Sanitation Board over for a decade, too. So a lot of um, city um, politics experience. Outside of that, he's also a business owner. And where did the candidates differ in their responses to your questions? Or what are they emphasizing uh, in their campaigns? Right. I think they had a lot of similar ideas in investing in existing programming for housing or additional staffing for a county after fires to support the residents, things like that. Manfrey had really thorough ideas in approaching housing and how that would look like kind of physically. And Mott's higher priorities that was not mentioned with Amber Manfrey was like better roads and improvement projects like sidewalks, which um, he mentioned that pavement condition index in Napa County remains lowest in the Bay Area. So that was kind of a priority for him. I think also, according to the Napa Valley Register, they had a different kind of viewpoints of the controversial vineyard plan. Um, Manfrey agreed with the board decision to reject it, while Mott was like, if they had more protections, I probably would have like agreed if they had more protections, but at that moment probably would have said no. So I thought that was also a really interesting thing in how they viewed this very, very kind of prominent Napa mm-hmm. politics. And Dan, you talked a little bit before the break about Alfredo Pedroza, um, these, you know, ongoing investigation at the county. What What is his kind of legacy on the board? Who's the, you know, what is the kind of supervisor, the kind of policy direction uh, in District 4 that Manfrey and Mott are now running to potentially succeed? Well, you know, honestly, uh, Pedroza has been very, very active in regional transportation issues. So, he was the chair of the uh, the regional transportation board and done a lot in that area. Uh, in terms of his larger political legacy, I suppose it would be. Well, I, I don't know. It's 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 kind of an interesting sort of thing. He's been he's been very active on the board. Uh, I he would have uh, approved legally. Uh, he is seen fairly or not as more friendly to business interests and vineyards, uh, the wine industry or the larger wine industry as a whole. And the question is whether or not uh, so Amber Manfrey would be considered more on the uh, 
environmental progressive side of the line, whereas Piedmont might be considered more of the moderate side of the line on that uh, as a as a small business owner, perhaps having more uh, sympathy, perhaps towards business interests. Mm-hmm. It's hard. To, it's really hard to say, but it's because Piedmont's uh, background is not the same as Alfredo Pedroza's. Alfredo was the youngest member of the city council when he was uh when, when he joined it uh, and uh, was appointed to the Board of Supervisors and then won re-election. Uh, so he has had a, a very uh, quick uh, political career, one that seems to have at least paused for the moment. So it's, uh, you know, it's, he's, a, he's an interesting character and very, very smart, knows a lot of things, a lot of people. And but he has gotten caught up in a lot of controversies. Mm -hmm. Dave McEwen, you heard Dan talk about environmental, moderate. I mean, how would you describe the kind of factions or divides we typically see in local politics in Napa? Because these supervisor seats, you're not running as a a Democrat or a Republican. Right. I mean, if you look at, uh, I I certainly think that the marquee race is that District 4 race to succeed Alfredo partly because of the battles that have been going on about land use. But but there's a broader kind of set of issues, right? There's housing that uh, your, your guest talked about. There's the future of ag. There's the general plan, wildfires, the, the role of the wine industry in sustainability. You look at all of those issues and you see someone like Amber Manfrey endorsed by the Sierra Club, um, you know, former supervisor Brad Wackenack, uh, Joelle Gallagher, she uh, she she is someone who would take the board in a clearly different direction than Alfredo, uh, as opposed to someone like Pete Mott, who does have like he's a Chamber of Commerce style Democrat, has the realtors behind him, but he also has like Planned Parenthood. Uh, and you look at that particular race and how it tilts the board. If Amber were elected, uh, as Dan's noted, right, all five members of the board would be women. Uh, that would be noteworthy for the first time. We see this up and down the ballot. And then we look at other races, like what's going on in the South uh, District 5 with Belia Ramos running for re-election, but she's matched up against the person who uh, she defeated in 2020. And, and American Canyon's very different than Yauntville. Uh, it's very different than, than Napa proper and what's going on, say, in the North and the South, the East and West of, of Napa County. And, and that... that uh, particular race is very interesting because it'll take housing in a different direction. Uh, It will take the general plan in a different direction or pushing what looks like in terms of development. I I think less so of the third race uh, that would be in District 2. The the matchup there uh, with Liz uh, uh, Alicio and Doris Gentry seems uh, less of a battle, uh, but also would still nonetheless move the board in a different direction. Uh, that that probably sets up some battles, certainly down the line, as we look at a next generation of leaders coming to the fore in Napa. And I think more broadly, that's what you're seeing. This is this is the opportunity for a real generational change. And Alfredo represented that when he came onto the board. But the controversial decisions that have resulted have at least put his political career on pause, if not taken it in a different direction. That is dramatic uh, for Napa and also symptomatic of what we see throughout the state. We're talking about three elections for the Board of Supervisors in Napa on the ballot March 5th. Voting is underway. And we want to hear from you if you're a Napa County resident. What races, what candidates are you watching and what are the issues that are really going to make up your minds uh, when you cast your ballot for supervisor? Judy from Napa has called in. We're going to go to you now. Good morning, Judy. Thank you. Good morning. 
What's on your Thank mind? Thank you for taking my call. Of course, go ahead. What's on your mind? Yes, I have a question for Dan Evans. Um, I am a Napa resident. Um, was a subscriber to the Napa Valley Register until it, they were purchased and downsized so terribly. But I'm also the head of a group here called Progressive Women of Napa Valley, and we also endorse uh, local candidates for office. And we heard anecdotally, of course, from the candidates who were uh, interviewed by the Register that the editorial board that does the interviewing has been reduced to only three people and asked rather irrelevant questions of the candidates, like their marital status and whether they had children. And I just wondered why they were asking those kinds of questions and why the editorial board is so small. All right. Well, thank you, Judy, for calling in. Dan, I don't know if uh, take a crack at that. What, what's or maybe just take us through what is the editorial process The ultimately ends up in uh, with endorsements by the register? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of the things, and, and that's true, we did reduce the size of the board. And that was because we were looking for a board that was uh, able to be more engaged. Uh, the The larger board was very busy. And they it was made up of seven community members that were doing many, many things throughout the year. And so they were not able to be as engaged and we really to write under their own name to show, I thought, a, a sense of transparency. The size of the board was, it will grow. Uh, it's just that it didn't grow in time for the endorsements. So that's my hope that it does grow, that there are people that have the time to commit to it. Um, as for the questions we asked, uh, we asked a number of questions that were not published. Uh, we did it as a general background, uh, asking people about any, uh, as many, many editorial boards do, about uh, any legal issues they might have had, any conflicts of interest. Uh, as uh, you know, uh, there is much more about the difference between news gathering and publishing. You ask as many questions and you only publish what's relevant. So yes, people were perhaps upset about the questions, but I think it's important to note that we did not publish people's marital status or uh, how many kids they had because we didn't think it was relevant, but we needed to know that so we could see what kinds of issues might pop up. For no publication wants to be embarrassed because something came out that they weren't aware of. But, you know, some people are, are certainly going to be upset. Uh, and that's, and that's okay. That's, that's part of, that's part of the job. Uh, you know, all we can do is be as transparent as possible. Right. All right, Carlos, I want to turn to uh, District 5, Southeast <clears throat> Napa, American Canyon. You've covered this for our voter guide this year. Tell us about the two candidates running there in District 5. Right, right. And we were just mentioning this a bit earlier. We have a rematch over here. So incumbent Belia Ramos is uh, once again facing off against Mariam Abudamos, city council member for American Canyon. They last faced off in 2020. Uh, Ramos is strongly backed by the county's labor unions. Uh, well, Abu Damos has received a lot of endorsements from groups representing the wine industry. And while they have different types of support, they actually, you know, see eye to eye on a lot of on a lot of stuff, including housing. Uh, like we were talking about before, the southeast of the county is very different from other parts of the county. Uh, a lot of folks living in American Canyon work in Vallejo, Solano, other parts of the county. So there's a lot of movement back and forth that part of the county. And that's actually one of the reasons that um, Abu Damos got into uh, public service to reduce congestion in uh, in that part of the county. 
Uh, so she actually, you know, has is very excited about pushing uh, for um, partnerships with individual cities um, to identify infill locations to improve the amount of uh, 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 to uh, to help the county reach its housing goals. Uh, Ramos has also on her time on the board has been very proactive about making it easier for property owners to develop ADUs and get forgivable loans. Um, and they're also, you know, uh, like I mentioned before, they, they really uh, want to find a permanent solution uh, to finance wildfire protection in mm-hmm. the county as well. So while there are some differences, and, you know, we can get into this later, like, for example, they had very different opinions about the Lee Colleen development. Uh, Ramos, uh, Ramos uh, supported the, like, pausing that development at, um, at the Board of Supervisors while Abu Damos strongly disagreed and said, hey, the developers invested all this money, all these resources. They were so meticulous about completing all the requirements. It should have gone through. There is a lot of stuff I, that they agree with, and I think that just reflects the unique nature of Southeast Napa County. And are there, you mentioned Ramos running for a third term. Are there votes beyond that that Abu Damas has targeted or looked at and said, like, look, I would have done this differently if I was on the board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in my conversations with her, it concentrated with the Lee Colleen development and the way that just the the board, um, the board's relationship with developers, uh, you know, uh, in other parts of the county, there's a strong emphasis on protecting, like, you know, in my conversations, for example, when Supervisor Gallagher, Supervisor Cottrell were running, they were very adamant about protecting certain, you know, wildf- uh, wildlife, uh, wildlife spaces. They, you know, they told me we don't necessarily want the county to lose its character. Um, you, you know, Napa come, folks come to Napa County, you know, to get away from Oakland and San Francisco. Um, but... It's interesting how now uh, over here at District 5, there is a whole different perspective of it. Like it's in a sense, it's like, yes, like, you know, Abu Damos, you know, believes that we need to protect well, um, you know, these spaces. But at the same time, you know, she says there's employment offered um, through them. There's also, you know, future like economic opportunities. Um, so I think it just goes into, you know, where folks are, you know, how our folks are employed in each part of the county. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to the phones now. And Peter, hey, Peter, good morning. Thanks for calling into Forum. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm a resident of Angwin here in Napa County. I am the forest manager for Pacific Union College, an Angwin Fire Safe Council board member, and a former Napa Firewise board member. Uh, we were very heavily affected here in Napa County by the 2017 and 2020 fires where numerous homes and wildlands burned and lives were threatened. And to me, a bottom line issue for the county is that we need a durable funding source to fund wildfire mitigation and ecosystem resilience. The county has given some funds to the Napa Communities Firewise Foundation in the past, which I'm thankful for, but those are only temporary. And that, along with the grants from the state that we're getting, are renewed on an annual basis. So we need a durable funding source so that we can plan these projects to protect homes, lives, and ecosystems into the future. And this is a bottom line issue, not only for the safety of homes and ecosystems, but also for our tourism dollars, which is one of the main things that drives economic development here in Napa County. All right. Thank you so much, Peter. Really appreciate uh, your call. Carlos, this is something you talked about with the candidates in, in District 5. That's right. So, uh, Measure L back in 20, 2022 would have provided a 10-year funding solution for uh, wildfire protection services, uh, and it was uh, you know it didn't get the exact the the percentage of votes that need for need to pass. Um, but you know uh, Supervisor Ramos she believes you know that it, you know there can be a lot of different ways to talk about this. For example, perhaps establishing a fire district. Um, you know she does 
she did recognize that the way that the campaign uh, in favor of Measure L, you know, spoke to voters wasn't necessarily the best. There was a lot of misinformation among voters. You know, some voters thought, hey, is this, are we going to be paying money to protect, you know, rich people's land or vineyards? Which is not necessarily true. Um, uh, Abu Damus, who's you know facing off against Ramos, is open to bringing back a version of Measure L in the future on the ballot. And I think that's you know we are hearing this. There needs to be a long term solution because what's happening, you know, everything coming from the general fund or depending on one year grants may not be sustainable. We're gonna go back to the phones. Craig in Napa has called in. Good morning, Craig. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for calling in. What's on your mind? How, how are you looking at these supervisor elections? Um, I'm living, I live in the city of, uh, of Napa, and I'm, I, I, I'm looking for candidates that will sort of address the human uh, aspects of the wine industry. So certainly we need all the wineries and the Disneyland, as you called it earlier, um, to support our economic growth here in the county. But I'm also looking at candidates who can address some of the issues that we have with respect to workforce housing, getting the our our workers who are typically lower end on the economic uh, scale access to health care, um, substance abuse services, and also um, looking at you know infrastructure that will relieve some of the gridlock on the you know that's caused by the people commuting back and forth uh, to Napa to support the to support the vineyards and, and the and the workforce. So I'm um, you know I'm looking for this to kind of strike a balance for candidates that can strike a balance between the economic growth that the wine industry provides and the human aspects of the of the labor force that we need to make that work. Thanks so much, Craig. I really appreciate uh, that call and that perspective. Nisa, those human issues that Craig talks about, housing, infrastructure, what did you hear from Amber Manfrey and, and Pete Mott running in District 4? Right. I think for housing, they... Um both acknowledge like the extremely high cost of living. Manfrey was really um, cognizant of residents who didn't want a ton of urban sprawl. So um, she said that like kind of in her like kind of planning, there'd be like a mix of housing styles to fulfill housing goals as well as like the desires of organized Napa residents. So a lot of it's like kind of a lot. One thing she says a lot that like, we'll be building upward. We'll be building housing upwards. So I thought, and then Mott on the other hand is like kind of investing in existing programs like the county's workforce proximity program and the Napa County Affordable ADU Forgivable Loan Program. Program, my apologies. And I think they both acknowledge like mental health services in Napa County as well. So that's kind of something they, they kind of both had um, really touched on in their um, discussions with me. That's KQED's Nisa Khan. We're talking about the three races for supervisor in Napa County, District 2, 4, and 5. All will be decided in March. When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the other biggest issues facing the county and its future leaders. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Alexis Madrigal. We've been talking about Napa County, where three seats on the Board of Supervisors will be decided in the March 5th election. Three open seats, six candidates. We're going to find out the winners in March. We've been talking with Dave McEwen, professor of political science at Sonoma State University, Dan Evans, executive editor of the Napa Valley Register, Carlos Cabrera Lomeli, KQED community reporter, and Nisa Khan, KQED audience engagement reporter. They've been covering the races in Napa for our voter guide. And we want to hear from you. If you're a Napa County resident, uh, call in. Tell us how you're viewing these supervisor races and how you'd like to see the board balance the desire to boost the wine industry and also address the needs of residents and the environment. We're at 866-733-6786, forum at kqed.org if you want to send us an email or find us at KQED Forum in our social channels and Discord communities. Uh, We're going to go back to the phones now uh, with... Carol, Carol, good morning. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, what's on your mind? How how are you looking at these supervisor races? Well, I'm. Uh, the supervisor races are good. They're clean, um, which we appreciate here in this county. But what is disappointing to me is that Dan Evans is somehow portraying this race as some of these races as us versus the wine industry. And I just want to assure the listeners that that could not be farther from the truth that none of these candidates wants to see the wine industry fail in Napa County. All right. Thank you, Carol. Uh, Dan, I mean, there's clearly is a tension, though, between uh, issues on the environment when you're talking about the general plan. Um, Is it fair to say that there's some conflict here or how would you respond to Carol? Well, you know, I think it's I think it's a little bit more complicated. There is a lot of nuance here. Like, so, for instance, even though uh, Liz Alessio sent a letter, her and two other members of the city council, she's a member of the Napa City Council. She did send a letter uh, to the Board of Supervisors urging them to turn down Lee Colleen for environmental reasons or environmental concerns. Uh, she did say that she thought when, you know, in her interviews with us, she did tell, she did say that she felt that one of the big issues is that uh, winery owners, vineyard owners don't feel, may have a, ha- actually have a decent gripe with the county and that they don't know always if they spend all this money and spend all this time, whether or not they're just going to get rejected at the end. And she said that needs to change. So, and uh, Liz uh, Alessio is uh, supported by the progressive sides and, you know, a lot of those groups. And so I think it's it's more nuanced than that. And I think that there is there is a tension. Yes, but it is I don't I, it is very clear that people on both sides of this are do have an open mind. I, I think it's very clear that, you know, they have potentially a bend toward our bend towards one side or another but i don't think it's i don't think that anybody here is doctrinaire about it uh so yeah i think that that's yeah there there is a tension but it is not i don't think i think that there are groups in town perhaps the farm bureau which has 
traditionally felt it has made itself feel you know it it has made uh said things that make like it's being attacked by environmentalists and i don't i don't know that i think that that is overblown so yes and no uh there is a tension but i think all of the all six members of all six candidates would be open to additional development i think it's just that it has to be done in their minds the right way mm -hmm. and yeah and we've been getting questions about you know the registrar's endorsement uh process where did the, where did you all land in the end on the on these three races so in district two we endorsed liz alessio in uh in district four pete mott and uh in district five miriam uh Abadams. so the basic reasons are we felt those three candidates in the broad sense had more clear views on the future of the county on these hot button issues i mean that's just the broad sense uh this is not to say that the other candidates didn't have uh very you know logical and thought through plans we just it was very close honestly it yeah. was a very challenging uh and heated debate behind closed doors if you will about which ones to go to so it was it was it was a challenging sort of thing so it is that's basically where it came down to we we tried in the editorials to explain our logic because honestly our goal in the endorsements was to give people the information they needed to make their choice and if they disagreed with our logic they should ignore us that's certainly not going to hurt our feelings <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just it's really about information and that's that's where it comes down to now of course the problem with endorsements is no matter what you do you're going to get a half of the county upset with you one way or the other and that's and we accept that yeah, you know that's but that's politics we, that um, is politics yeah. I want I want to go back to the phones and Sam uh, in Napa is called in. Good morning, Sam. Thanks for calling for him. Hello. Um, my concern is the discussion hasn't touched on what I hear is the real buzz in the community, which is that Napa is in, da in danger of becoming mostly a playground for the wealthy and not focused on locals at all. We had a 60% uh, hotel vacant uh, occupancy rate last year, and there are a thousand more high-end hotel rooms in the pipeline. So my concern is looking for someone who will focus on locals, not on the next world-class thousand-dollar-a-night hotel. And I think that's pretty clear in the District 4 race. Amber Manfrey is supported by the Sierra Club and other environmental interests. She'll be much more concerned about focusing on locals, protecting what we have in the Napa Valley, and not tipping toward overdevelopment. Well, thanks so much, Sam, for calling in, sharing your perspective. Uh, Dave, what do you make of that you know, dynamic the, or fear that residents have of potentially having the county turn into, as Sam said, a playground for the wealthy? Yeah, I, I appreciate his, uh, Sam's question because the, the issues around inequality, for example, and what happens by those who are uh, working in the food service industry, those that are working uh, in winery tasting rooms, or those that are doing production, uh, and and then being unable to afford to live in, in the communities in which they work, 
uh, and that affects obviously their whole uh, their their whole families, uh, healthcare, housing, all of these issues. We see this over and over again, and and, and the wine industry has tried to address this by pushing issues of sustainability and talking about sustainability, about being good stewards of the land. Uh, they, they've done this throughout wine growing regions. That's certainly been an element, but the, the infrastructure around wine uh, that includes those Michelin starred restaurants, that includes uh, world-class XYZ that, that Sam was talking about, do present really hard issues uh, that affect communities, and particularly those that are asking for more, that have kids in school, and are different than those who are retired or have a second home in Napa or in Napa County. And those issues do come to the board. Those issues do come to the Planning Commission. And those uh, are hugely important because it's not just who wins these races, it's who they appoint and what networks they create. And this is part of the element of what you see with what comes the next cycle or who comes down downstream because who's serving as their appointments on boards and commissions for the member, uh, him or herself, they serve, if you will, as kind of a barometer of direction. And that does get divisive. Uh, and, it, and even though there is a lot of support for the wine industry, there is a lot of tension in there, especially as the wine industry consolidates or looks for changes that they've seen with consumers and not just wanting to make their product a playground for the rich, but accessible by all. All of that tension, I think, comes to bear in these particular uh, races that we see on the board. Again, a, a, a barometer of what is to come uh, throughout California as uh, we wrestle with these issues. And Carlos, you've done a lot of reporting on workers in vineyards. Uh, what are some of the top concerns for those workers and the groups who advocate for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, you know, in this year and in both 2022, I asked every single candidate. You know, there is a strong push by uh, workers advocates for there to be some sort of fund, some sort of compensation for farm workers when they can't go outside to work when there are wildfires. You know, when there's a wildfire very near, very close to your vineyard or the place where you work, you should not. I mean, you know, health experts do not recommend you being out there, one, because of the just like the immediate risk of the fire, but two, because of all that smoke you're being exposed to. And in Sonoma County, uh, a couple years back, um, activists strongly pushed and were able to compromise with the county to get a set of fund of a couple million dollars um, for the cases of, of emergencies and for these types of emergencies. In Napa County itself, uh, during the pandemic, we even saw the city of American Canyon um, pass uh, some, you know, uh, actually require employers, uh, supermarkets to pay their workers a little more because they were in danger of being exposed to COVID. So we do see a precedent. And in fact, in American Canyon, one of the people that voted in favor of that was Mariana Budamos. When I asked her the same question, like, would you support, you know, requiring uh, vineyards, you know, paying a little more to their workers in these sort of situations or compensating them for the days that they weren't able to, to work? She said, well, you know what? We're not there. You know, we're not there mm. yet. I want to, you know, I want to hear from both sides. I you, mean, I was, it, yeah. it struck me that, you know, when you talk to the D5 candidates, I think both of them mentioned like, well, this is something nonprofits are working on. A hundred percent. And this is what we've heard in every single race. You know, it's what I heard in Supervisor Cottrell's race and Supervisor Gallagher's race. And I wouldn't be surprised if we would hear something similar in the other two districts. And, it, you know, that's an answer that doesn't satisfy uh, farm worker advocates. It's some, you know, the while the Napa Community Foundation, the Napa Valley Community Foundation, excuse me, 
has done incredible work and has benefited thousands of families, there it's still something that needs to be figured out. That if it, is it a responsibility of the employers, and then it's the county that has to require employers, hmm. or should we leave it all to the philanthropic side? While there is a lot of money flowing through philanthropy in Napa, at the end of the day, these wineries, I mean, these vineyards, excuse me, have access to a huge percentage of public of, of land that could be used in different ways a huge percentage of the workforce, and of the county's natural resources. This is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. For more information on how to support KQED, go to kqed.org. I'm Guy Marzarati, in for Lexis Madrigal. And we're going to continue our conversation talking about three elections for the Board of Supervisors in Napa County. Um, Dave, I think one thing looming over all of this is the fact that there are no term limits uh, for supervisors in Napa. How, how have you seen that kind of impact governance on the board? Yeah, I mean, if you think about Napa's politics and where it's come, say, from uh, the the Napa, uh, the famous Paris wine competition in the mid-1970s, all the way forward, uh, the legacy of uh, Mandavi, the legacy of so many giants in the valley, much of that has been uh, percolated and peppered with members of the board who've been on the board a long time. And that sometimes has been helpful for Napa in terms of protection, in terms of transit, in terms of uh, getting dollars for corridors uh, on Highway 29. But obviously, that creates, for example, traffic. Uh, it has also driven dollars uh, as the state has uh, left certain institutions uh, or driven dollars to things like the state hospital or to parks. So it's been uh typically peppered with long-term members of the board, not a lot of turnover or elections. And I think what you're seeing here in Napa with these three seats up and what you're seeing in other areas is this kind of rapid turnover or generational change. Uh, the state is uh, much more democratic than it was when Arnold Schwarzenegger was elected governor in the recall uh, and Gray Davis was thrown out, for example. And that means that there's not just a lot more Democrats, there's a lot more different types of Democrats who are demanding access. And you see this at school boards and in local government. And that's what's changed, if you will, the flavor of what's happening in local politics throughout California and the Bay Area and in Napa, even though it's been a little bit behind the times in that regard. So there's more turnover, there's more uh, uh, kind of percolating of ideas and different interests and different goals, different priorities at the local level. That's all crashing together uh, for these three seats, typical of what we see in other areas as well. We're going to go back to the phones and Gary is in Napa. Hey, Gary, good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to just make a little statement regarding the monolithic economy that's supported by the wine industry, per se. Um, the, the types of things that it, it drives are low-paying jobs, basically at wineries or restaurants or all the supporting types of infrastructure that supports tourists. And, and the middle class, by and large, is, is just falling by the wayside. You know, The things that sort of prove that, in my mind, are the school district uh, attendance is falling uh, fairly dramatically over the past 10 years or so. And we've also seen the amount of traffic increased with people coming in for jobs that are low paying. About 25% of our traffic flow coming into Napa every day are people that are doing low paying jobs. And that's a good indication of, of they just can't afford to live here. Mm -hmm. So that gets back to the issue of affordable housing and, and all that other kind of stuff. So just the, this, and forty-five percent of the the uh, industry is owned by corporations, also. So corporations, as we know, tend to always uh, want profits on the bottom line. 
uh, and they don't always tend to pay the, the best jobs, you might say, compared to a couple of the independent wineries in the Valley that pay a living wage right. of $40, $42 an hour, that kind of stuff. So well, anyway, th- that's about all I want to say. Well, thank you so much, Gary. I really appreciate it. Carlos, I mean, this issue of the a workforce you know, coming into the county, needing, needing to deal with issues like traffic, uh, I don't know if you or Nisa heard about this from candidates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll just go, I'll, I'll briefly go over what I've heard, and Nisa, you can add. Um, I think, you know, what we've heard is a question about land and land usage. And what I kind of this refrain I've heard over the years is like the county has the money, the cities have the land. Right. So a lot of the land that the county has is actually zoned for agricultural or wildlife purposes to change its zoning is a really complicated process. So then that's why um, the county really focuses on partnering up with cities and towns for infill opportunities for land that the cities already have that, you know, that's where you can then have uh, you know, middle income, uh, middle income housing. Um, but that's, I think that's also one, you know, one skill that any of these candidates need to have really well, which is developing partnerships with local city officials, because, um, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's several city officials, whether that's in Napa City, American Canyon, Yontville, that may tell you that working with the county is really complicated and really tough, and they might not as well do it. But so having that skill to working with city town officials is something that these candidates need to hone before they start, you know, they, their, their, their service, their time. Yeah, all I really wanted to add is that this caller, also our previous caller who was kind of talking about, the, like, who's looking out for, like, the human part of, um, for, of residents of Napa County. And I just wanted to point out, for what it's worth, um, Amber Manfrey is endorsed by the Service Employees International Union as well as the National Union of Healthcare Workers. So she is supported by um, two major labor unions. Piedmont is also supported by a labor union, the Cal Firefighters. But um, that's something I just wanted to throw out there, too. And and Dan, quickly, we have about 30 seconds left. Uh, wondering if you could touch on the, the D2 race in District 2, what you're seeing there, and kind of give us a quick summary of the dynamics between those two candidates. Yeah, sure, absolutely. the The two candidates there are uh, Liz Alessio and Doris Gentry. Uh, Liz is a current member of the Napa City Council. Uh, Doris was a member of the City Council. She ran for mayor in twenty twenty and uh, was defeated. She is uh, Doris is a, a landowner, a landlord. Uh, has really been very big about uh, being a foster parent. Uh, she's also the chair of the Napa County uh, Republican Central Committee. Uh, Liz is created, uh, oops, sounds like I'm on a time, but very much about running, Yeah, <laughs> running out of time there, but thank you so much, Dan Evans, executive editor of the Napa Valley Register. We also heard from Dave McEwen, professor of political science at Sonoma State University, and our two reporters here from KQED's amazing audience news team, Carlos Cabrera, Loma Lee, Nisa Khan. Thank you to you all. Thank you to our listeners for calling in. Do not forget to vote in Napa before March 5th. Three seats up on the Board of Supervisors. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Lexus Madrigal. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.